Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb And welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Dave. And I'm your host, Sean. And joining us today, we have a very special guest. It's uh, atmospheric scientist, meteorologist, and host of the What Is It About the Weather podcast, Mark. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'll try to live up at least to one or two of those titles that you've given me this evening. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. We want to welcome you to the show. And today, we are here to talk about Minute 59. Sean, give me that summary. All right, so in minute 59, Phil is going to give uh, the princess a weather prediction that has haunted Phil for years, and then we cut to Phil destroying his clock every damn day. So this is something we, we don't get too much of, or we don't get a lot of, is, is Phil actually plying his trade as a, as a weatherman um, out there talking about, talking about the groundhog, and, and he's, he's, he's getting real. And this is uh, his little speech here is a continuation from the last minute where this is none of this sunshine and roses. Isn't this wonderful? The groundhog comes out. He looks, he sees a shadow. He doesn't. It's lots of fun. No, this is um, they used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it, as he said last minute. And now Rita obviously does not look happy. And (laughs) Phil says, yeah, am I upsetting you, princess? Which is, you know, so as a producer, she's like his boss, right? She's his manager. And I'm thinking, like, addressing your, your boss in that manner is probably not a good career move. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure she smelled him, like, coming from a mile away when he walked up without his tie. It's like, mm, the tie's not there. Like, like, Phil's never dressed like a bum. So for him to show up like that, I feel like, you know... She knows something's off, but not like this bad. Yeah, well, at least he's wearing, he's got kind of like the two shirts. I think this is the nicer of the two shirts that he packed for the trip. So like, and at least he's wearing like the, the shirt is, is kind of pressed. It looks mostly wrinkle free, but yeah, no, no tie. I think he did shave this morning. We we will see him. We've seen him worse. I think we will see him (laughs) look worse than he does now, but (laughs) he's certainly on the, the slide down. Yeah, it doesn't look like they caught him on one of his no-shave days, because Bill Murray will definitely show that from time to time. So, Yeah. Well, he only has a couple hours. If, if the whole thing resets at 6 a.m., and I think, it, what is it, like 7.20, when they read the proclamation, they actually mention what time uh, Little Phil makes his prediction. So he's only got a couple hours to, to build up that scrub. But uh, <laughs> I guess he's a fast grower, that, that Bill Murray. <laughs> We have to look at this also at this perspective, you know, uh, from Rita and and Larry that, you know, from their perspective, yesterday he said he was going to get sleep early and then he he shows up here just even like in a worse mood. Like yesterday for their perspective, he was like, yeah, I'm going to do it, but like, I'm not happy about it. But now it's like he, you know, he just wants to go off on on them and everyone. And and I wonder. So I have a, a question. This is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, Mark, is to to 
ask these weather-related questions. From oh, the I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. Is this so the question where we ask, with it being such a cloudy day, how is anybody seeing their shadows? Or are we going to get to that question later? <laughs> <laughs> That's just movie magic. Oh, okay. Well, okay. The, okay. Well, all right. Well, that. Well, actually, that that brings up. That's a different question. That's not the question I think of, but I'll, I'll put that aside. My original question, I'll put that aside. And let's let's go to it since you mentioned it. Is there something to this this legend, this myth of the groundhog seeing his shadow? And I don't mean that the groundhog is really telling the weather. I know groundhogs don't talk. And no, there's no one that speaks groundhoggies. But is there something to, if it's a clear day... And there is a shadow, like there's something like the colder air gets clear where you get the point, you know, certainly like for snow, it has to be cold for you to get snow, but it can be too cold. You can get to the point where the weather's, the air is too cold. It won't hold enough moisture. You're not going to get snow. Is there something to it that if it's cold enough that there's no clouds, then that means six more weeks of winter versus well, if it's warm enough and there's enough moisture in the air for clouds, there's no shadow, but that means maybe warmer weather is is coming. You know, is there something to this this groundhog legend? So let me ask this question. Do you watch Ancient Aliens? No. How many times? No, I don't. Okay. So the and the question is if you believe Ancient Aliens, then yes, there's something to this groundhog theory otherwise no not really so if you're into conspiracy (laughs) theories yes certainly a groundhog can certainly forecast the future otherwise to your point though i i don't think you're far off from where the lore comes from but historically if you go back and you look at you know how often the groundhog is right versus wrong um you know it's kind of like this day i i don't think he saw a shadow they just told him he saw a shadow because for some reason they wanted to have a longer winter but generally speaking (laughs) what you were getting at might have some truth in it. I, I, if I've done my research right over time, this is kind of born out of a Germanic area. So that's, that's where mm-hmm. this whole uh, varmint coming out of the ground and seeing his shadow thing came from. But living in the South, we have that sort of thing. This time of year, we don't get the benefit of cold front, so we don't really get cooled off in the summertime. So we wait for the times of year when we do. And this might not be dissimilar to that is if it's really clear, it means you, maybe you're getting more or less Arctic air or, you know, whatever the weather mass is that tends to bring milder weather. So that's probably where the idea is born out of. But to suggest on any given day in a specific year that you're going to get a specific weather weather pattern and it's going to tell you that, no, it's not realistic. All right. Well, there you have it. Groundhog Day. Truth. It's real. <laughs> and if that's what you walked away with, then yes, it is. That's what that's that's the nugget I pulled out of that. But no, all right, no, that yeah, that makes sense. And 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 you are right. At least what we're seeing on this particular day, uh, that we don't see a lot of shadows. It is it is an overcast day. It's not dark, but there's enough of a cloud cover that we don't see too many shadows. But you could also argue that you see your shadow every single day, at least something. So that gets into the point of, you know, they just decided in advance, you know, I don't know how Bill Murray, Bill Murray's brother listened to the groundhog. Right. And very quickly wrote up that whole proclamation Mm -hmm. (laughs) of exactly what that groundhog said and four squeaks that he made. (laughs) So I'm thinking that was pre-scripted that he definitely had seen a shadow. Yeah. We did notice that, that they've got that, that whole scroll at the ready. Though I wonder if it's if it's a multiple choice thing. They have a little script written out, and then it's you know did did not see the shadow circle one. Sure, it could and be <laughs> based on the number of squeaks. Less than four saw a shadow. More than four 
didn't see, but what to do with four specifically, that could be like a wild card maybe. So, <laughs> you know, maybe the mayor has that kind yeah. of flexibility on any given day. <laughs> right. right. He might have some money on it. So he... <laughs> Yeah, he might have a a betting interest in the outcome. (laughs) He saw the odds before he walked in. That's right. Yeah. Although, so, and going back to another thing you said, Mark, about the groundhog seeing his shadow, I'm I'm thinking it's likely that the groundhog eyesight is different than ours. And I must admit, I you know, this is one of those things as a host of a podcast about a movie called Groundhog Day. I probably should know more about groundhogs than I do. But I know when it comes to rabbits that their sight, they've, as a prey animal, as an herbivore, they've got different sight than we do. Um, people kind of have, we've, our eyes face forward. We can focus on things. We can judge distance and we can hunt. Rabbits, they, well, I think it's, if I remember correctly, they just, it's black and white. They see shades of gray. I don't think rabbits can see color, but they're very sensitive in that black and white range. And they're very sensitive to movement and their, their eyes are very spread apart. So distance isn't so much important, but they can sense movement because, of course, if a if a coyote is coming after you, you just want to know it so you can get away. You're not you're not sticking around long enough to figure out how far it is. You're just going to run. Mm. So I wonder if groundhogs, they're kind of they're similar to the low to the ground. They're fuzzy. So maybe they have a similar type thing where they don't see color. It's just black and white. You know, it's it's. And so maybe they're more attuned to shadows if they've got a, a you know sort of a narrow range of shades that they see, then maybe they can see shadows better than we can. Mm, interesting. Uh, I'll That's, defer yeah. to your future animal <laughs> biologist that you're going to have on to discuss that. I mean, for all we yeah. know, Phil has cataracts too, right? Yeah, we know. And they opened the door. He didn't really want to come out. Right. They made him. So so maybe he you know has some lighting in inside his little bungalow there. And the and the shadow was actually him just seeing himself, and he just really didn't ever want to leave the the confines there. Right, and you know it may be it's just what squeaks do I need to make so these guys will leave me alone? Exactly, put me back in my fake tree stump. Thank you very much. Well, it is there is there a period of adjustment? I imagine inside the stump, it's probably very dark. I don't know if they've got you know Phil has a a lamp or a lantern in there. They don't really give him much time for his his eyes to adjust to the light. It may just be everything's dark and he assumes it's a shadow. Just or he could have been spending quality time with Filmina and really didn't want to yeah. come out of the the tra- yeah. tree stump either. Yeah, because yeah, like you said, they don't they don't give him much of a choice. No, they really don't. Yeah. So just circling back to <laughs> the original question I was thinking of that kind of sent us down this path is. Does this happen? Does this happen often in meteorology? Because I imagine it's a lot of the same things where Phil says this is not his first year. He's been sent out to Punxsutawney to cover the groundhog. Larry mentions when he was in San Diego going back to, um, was it the Swallows returning to San, uh, San Juan Capistrano? Uh, yep, yep. Um, things that are not. They're not directly related to the weather. They don't, you know, I don't think this necessarily requires uh, an expertise in meteorology to just remark on a groundhog. A, a, a biologist, a small animal biologist may be better suited, but it seems like it's the weatherman, it's the meteorologist that gets sound, sent out on these type of jobs. And I can see it, it getting 
you know, maybe just tedious, maybe in, in, in just one day, one of them snapping. Yeah, it's, I, even without the day repeating again and again. I, you know, I think it depends on the meteorologist. There's always going to be that element to any sort of job that kind of falls in that category. And while I'm not a broadcast meteorologist, that's not what I've done over the years. I, you know, have a lot of f- personal friends and, you know, professional friends that have been in that space for a very long time. Some of them really enjoy it. It doesn't matter what they're doing because it's a, you know, it's an opportunity to interact with the public and they're more extroverted and they enjoy that sort of thing. And then I know many others that just that sort of stuff drives them crazy. And actually it's those types of things that are probably one of the reasons I've never gotten to the broadcast side of things is I don't have the tolerance to go talk about a rodent for an extended <laughs> period of time. And that, that would drive me nuts. So I could see very much how it drove him nuts. But at the same time, you know, he he's in that career because, you know, he talked in minutes gone past about how, you know, a national network was looking at him and that sort of thing. So some people live in that space and do what it takes to, to get the job done. Others really enjoy it, whether, you know, and I've done things before where I've gone out and done outreach with school kids and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that element. Because, you know, you're getting that inquisitive mind sort of phase. But going out and just covering the monotonous again and again and again can get a bit old. Understood. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. I really, th- I, it's, I think it's very interesting. And, and we'll we'll come back to this later towards the end of the movie. But there's, there are a lot of parallels between this speech that Phil gives now. This is, and this is, um, we've talked about how Ramis in terms of his direction for Bill Murray, uh, Harold Ramis talks about Bill wants to know for a scene, am I the good Phil or the bad Phil? Just to kind of know how to act. And this is certainly some of the baddest of the bad Phil. And then later we'll have the good Phil giving almost the exact same speech. If you just go through with a thesaurus and change one word to another, this, all this negative becomes positive. And particularly, I'm looking like he's, he's um, you know, the very end. I'll give you a winter prediction. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it's going to last you for the rest of your life. And that's the way he finishes off his, his final sign-off. The last version of this scene from Gobbler's Knob that we see is Phil saying, you know, I, I could think of nothing better than a long winter here with the people of Punxsutawney. I mean, he doesn't quite say the the rest of your life, but he says it's, you know, I wish it could be cold and gray and I wish it could last, you know, forever. Um, saying pretty much the same thing, only it depends completely on the spin, mm. that the same sentiment. And and I think that's, that's a thing we, we've talked about that, all these days are the same days. We've seen Phil have good days. We've seen him have bad days. We've seen we're, we're going to see some really bad days when it's Phil gets really down in the dumps. And we, we can kind of see he's heading in that direction. And then we'll see the rebound where he has a, a really great day. But because of this loop, the, the magic of, of movies, it's all the same day. It's the same place and time and, and everyone else is the same. It's just Phil that's changing. Yeah, he. So I just thought. Sorry, go ahead. You no, know, I was just going to say that. You know, it's you. You talked about whether it was good Phil or bad Phil, and this is even more like dark Phil, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah. and, and it's whether it's grief or anything else. He's just going through these phases that you know. In earlier parts, he was. It was like, oh, I can get away with anything, and that's kind of cool. And then he made his first go at the princess, right? 
mm-hmm. and that didn't work out, and that that turned him into his dark phase. Like, okay, if I can't make that work, it, it's it's like the reality hit him. I'm stuck here. I mean, this was really like when it really hit him that I may be living this day for eternity, and I, you know, that that's part of what to me is playing out. And you know, the, we, as you said, we don't see him doing much of the weather for for his, you know whole arc of this movie we see maybe what 10 minutes where he's actually doing weather related things <laughs> yeah. um but it's it's sort of odd that it some of his darkest moments are right when he's supposed to be you know doing his craft and so it, it's sort of weird that that doesn't come up as much in some of the other areas of of his life that transpose into the movie hmm. yeah well that's that's interesting and that's something i don't think we've touched on that that professional aspect that you'd hope, and I, I think a lot of us have a profession so that, that we do because we need money. We go to work because they pay us and then we can use that money to exchange for goods and services and food and shelter and, and that kind of stuff. But you hope, you know, one would hope to have a career or a position that is, if it's, you know, if it's not your true joy, if you can't turn your hobby and your passion into a career that it's at least something you enjoy doing. And it seems even, even except for the very, very end, that that's a little bit different. But even February 1st, even when we see him in, in the, you know, in the studio doing the, the previous weather report before he even gets to Punxsutawney, it seems like this is something he merely tolerates that he doesn't take much joy from it at all. That you'd hope, if you were, if one of us, if one was stuck in this kind of loop, that there'd be some refuge, there'd be some island inside the day of some sanity, and that would be the thing that you have chosen to do. And Phil has chosen to be a meteorologist and, and to do, do do this broadcast. But yeah, you're right. He uh, he doesn't take much joy in it. It's not solace for him. Well, and the reality in all that is, he may not be a meteorologist at all. Right. I mean, he, he could have gotten into broadcasting and particularly in the time when this film was made, it was a lot more common that many of the people behind the camera doing on air broadcast meteorology weren't trained in the field. Many of them get certified or, or do some extra education to understand enough. But it wasn't until around this time that there were more universities that even took on that focus. There were some back in the day, but it was around this time when the Weather Channel was really getting hot and, you know, it seemed like cable television was going to be around forever and all these local channels were around, that there was a need to kind of bring those two worlds together of what you would consider, you know, on-air journalism or broadcasting and meteorology. But back then it was not uncommon for the, the person to get into the field with limited or, in some cases, no background at all in actual meteorology training. I so did I, not know that. Yeah, so I guess <laughs> Phil somehow got got the job with his charm. Yeah. <laughs> his charm. Well, so so it may. Uh, I just this is expanding my horizons. Is Kenny back at the studio? Maybe Kenny's the meteorologist, and he kind of interprets the the charts and everything, the information that's coming yeah. in from the National Service, mm-hmm. and then Phil's just the face. And it, it very well could be, very well could be that, that Phil was the guy that looks good on camera and, and knows how to blow the clouds across the screen like he did in the, <laughs> in the opening scene and, yeah. and work, you know, knew how to work the camera. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it, that's in, 
this day and age, it's a lot more common for even people that didn't necessarily go to school in meteorology. I mean, there are universities that offer broadcasters an opportunity to go back and get a degree in meteorology to, to have that scientific knowledge. But in some cases, I still know people that have gotten into it for their, you know, the, they may have a love of weather and they may have enough to understand and communicate that weather. But if you get into a deep scientific conversation, it's not, it's not going to be where they're comfortable at a minimum, even if they kind of understand what you're talking about. Right. They're just there. Yeah, that's interesting. It makes me think of I worked at back in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, sort of the, the first dot com wave. I worked at a small startup and I went along and to uh, to a couple of trade shows and they had a presenter that they worked with who was not an employee of the company who didn't know anything about our product. But she was someone that they brought in for trade shows and conferences and stuff. And she would record the speech or the presentation. She would record what she had to say. And she had the skill. She would wear a headset on um, on stage. And it was a combination. It would be a mic so she would be amplified and people could hear her. But in, the word, in her ears, she was hearing back the recording. And she would just say mm. whatever she heard in the recording. And I didn't realize it. It's one time before in between presentations – I saw her, this is way back in the days of, uh, of of tapes, of cassette tapes and Walkman and stuff. And she was talking into her Walkman. She was recording stuff. She was she was um, tweaking the presentation and changing some lines. And that's all it took in terms of she didn't try to memorize. She didn't memorize the script or anything. She didn't have to rehearse. She just recorded it. And whatever she was saying on that tape, she would say it as she heard it. And she didn't have to know anything about the product. Um, she didn't handle if there was a Q&A after she wouldn't handle any of the details. She would just give a presentation and whatever was on that cassette, that's what she would say. So I guess it's kind of similar to that. If you can if you can talk a good game, some people can do that and not necessarily understand what they're saying. Or, or just have a depth of knowledge. Again, may understand enough to communicate effectively and, and quite frankly, may be a better communicator. And that's, you know, a challenge that we face in, in meteorology all the time is some of the most knowledgeable people are not the ones that are most adept at going out and communicating what it is that is the key point to make, you know, a, a public, someone in the public respond or react when they need to. Okay. All right. So, uh, so, Dave, do you feel like we're ready to move on to uh, the next bit of this minute? Yeah, no, I was honestly, I, I kind of sat here like, wow, I just like listening. This is this is this is <laughs> this is good. I like this, but yeah, um, because uh, yeah, what what sucks is we don't get to see their reaction to that line of his. We don't get to flip the camera and like see how the rest of the day goes. You know, it's kind of like when Phil is in this attitude. Mm-hmm. What is Phil? You know, it's like I almost want to know what does Phil do now because. You know, clearly Larry's like, geez, and, and Rita's like, you know, she's obviously going to be defensive and upset that, like, you know, look at, once again, his tie is is, un, is not there. His uh, his shirt's on, but his collar's up on his one side and down on his other, you know? He just, his, present, his presentation is slubby. <laughs> He's given this, yeah, very dark and, like, almost nihilistic line. And then, and then, yeah, like that's the end of the broadcast. And then, like you know, like as I, I'm just curious, like you know, we the, the the movie gets to like have the freedom to edit around it. But I'm like, I I want to see if anyone else heard that. <laughs> like, 
You know, like did anyone in the town go? God, you're here. I, I don't. I don't know if you picked this up. This was bugging me I, when I kept going over the audio. Around second, sick, uh, second sixteen, it sounds like in the middle of his line, someone cracks open a beer can. Like I hear the, like I hear that, and I want you to know, like you can, can you get that? If you don't, whatever. I, yeah. Oh wow, I hadn't noticed that before. <laughs> there is like a little, yeah. It sounds like metal rubbing against metal, like the kind of a can opening. And I, in my mind, in my mind, it made me laugh because I'm thinking there's probably somebody in the audience who just cracked open because it's Miller time right now at seven in the morning, and they're enjoying themselves like, oh, this is great. And then like only feet away, we have Phil just giving this horrifically dark speech. I don't know why, just it, it kind of the little the little the, the dichotomy, the, the differences there made me laugh. That's all. <laughs> Just to imagine some guy like, oh, man, I love this day. Like, hey, oh, my – I don't know if it can be like because of the timing, but I would love it if that's uh, – that's uh, it's, um, that's Ralph. <laughs> that's Ralph. Before, yeah. Like, hey, man, before we hit the diner, I want to see the groundhog crack one open. <laughs> you know, idea. So I think what what, the, what we need – what this movie needs is a, a, a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern – type sequel hell yeah and i'm i i don't know if i'm getting those names right but if for the folks that are not familiar someone made i don't know if sequel's the right term they basically made a follow-up to hamlet to the the shakespeare play and the focus is on these two minor henchmen in the in the hamlet castle and it's kind of the the events of hamlet but from their point of view i kind of want to see a a version of this movie just from the point of view of Gus and Ralph <laughs> and yeah. kind of their, what do they think of this day and what do they do? But uh, I think there, there are a lot of missed opportunities for other things that are going on because certainly, uh, well, yeah, we've got, we, we did get a, a, a flat, the camera flashes over to, um, to Rita and Andy and we see Rita looking very upset and stern and shaking her head but we don't go back to her after he had Phil addresses her personally when you know that am I upsetting you princess line. Yeah. I mean if she wasn't happy before, she can't be much happier after that. But also there's at the when he does his it was last minute, but when he goes, you know, you're hypocrites, all of you, like that he says that kind of screaming out loud yeah. and you see some of the people in the background kind of turn and, and notice Phil at that point. So yeah, I kinda wonder um, as as we've said before, with with many of the things that Phil does during this during this movie, we we wonder what happens when the camera cuts away. What if this scene went on like thirty seconds longer? What's what's the reaction that we're missing? Yeah, yeah. So we you know we speculate, but we'll never know. So go into these clocks. I don't know. I don't I don't have too much other than we see we it's it's Phil getting violent. Yeah, and at I'm, least he's he's taking it out on a clock. He's not hurting people, at least. But yeah, I, I wanted to know if if uh, you got any commentary on how many clocks they went through. Oh no! Or if, like the prop department was like, we need you to make yeah. it like four hundred of these plastic clocks, and we're gonna have we're gonna have Bill Murray just do it. And every I would love if there was one, and I don't think I, I think it'd be so hard to do. But wouldn't it be great if you could have had a camera shot? like low to the ground looking up at the room and had him just chuck it from the window to like hit right in front of the camera 
Like, it would take him, like, a, cu- a couple tries to get, like, the timing and, like, the distance right. Mm-hmm. But that would be so cool. It would be, like, by the sidewalk or, like, yeah, by the street. And have him just wham that thing. And, like, it lands, like, right in front of the camera and just shatters. That would be so cool. Yeah. I mean, I think he, he goes through three three clocks. Yeah, Ramus doesn't say anything about it in the in the director's commentary on the Blu-ray. He doesn't say how many clocks that they went through. Um, to- <laughs> I'm sorry. I would uh, just love it. Just, just have, like he walks back outside now after talking to Mrs. Lancaster, and his clock's there. And he just kind of kicks it onto the lawn. I'm sorry. I just in my head, like know, I just I love is, it. Is there a minute? Bef- I wonder before he goes for the toaster. Is there a minute where he tries to kill himself <laughs> with a, like a clock in the bathtub? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I think that clock's got barely any pet juice to, like, zap him. <laughs> they had to oh. film that scene because I wondered the exact same thing. There, there's no <laughs> way that he did not try to electrocute himself with the clock first. He had to have tried. Although, you know, the toaster, and then somebody probably got the idea for the toaster, particularly, you know, putting the toast down to start yeah. toasting. That, that, that's that's a, certainly a, a great comedic kind of taking the edge off sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I think all that happened is the prop department. Somebody said, we need at least 10 clocks. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what do we have in storage that there's at least 10 of? You know, and, and bring that out. It's probably nothing any more than that, unfortunately. But it does destruct well, doesn't it? Yeah. This reminds me, I should get a new clock for my bedroom. <laughs> I don't even have a clock in my bedroom. I use I I, I, I use my phone. I plug it in. Uh, I have the charger on my nightstand. I plug it in at night to charge overnight. And that's, um, and that, you know, that's my alarm clock, which so has you- bitten me. There's a couple times they push out, they've pushed out uh, software updates overnight. Yeah. And if it requires the phone to reboot my phone, I have to put in a code for it to start up. So if it reboots, it'll just be stuck on that startup screen and my alarm won't go off. Uh, so see, maybe I should have a clock in my bedroom. Well, but. yeah, I, I, I just saying, because like, I'm always worried like that. God forbid, I'm going to do something, burn out the battery on my phone or like it overheats or something. Cause you yeah. see those horrible stories online. So I'm always oh, yeah. worried about yeah. like leaving a phone for hours next to my head with a with a cord. Now I have it plugged in overnight, but I have the phone in the off position. But I was like having it on in my mind. I feel like I would be. Worried. Oh yeah, but I, I didn't have even thought like, of a, that. I have an old one from high school that like it has a CD player on top. But like the CD player. Um, <laughs> oh, a, a clock. You mean? I thought you were talking about. You have a phone with a CD player. What? Oh, it's so cool. Uh, no, but no, I had. I have an alarm clock I got back in high school as a gift, mm-hmm. and yeah, has a top top you know top uh, thing for tray for CD player. Yeah. And like I think like an, a year into that thing, the tray just stopped closing, and I had to super glue it down. So really, it's just a huge paperweight at this point. <laughs> huge paperweight because the radio is like very fickle on it too. So um, uh, around second fifty one, I wanted to point out that we actually get we actually get to see the like one of the few angles. We haven't seen of his room, which is to over his right shoulder, the it, other side of the, of the bed. Yeah, we never really see that shot. And I was actually, I was. How many dogs are there? I did. I swear, I don't see dogs. It's. It looks. I think it's a horse pulling sleds. Yeah, it looks like yeah. There's a couple like silhouettes, like black cutouts on white backgrounds, like a ho- yeah horse pulling a, a carriage or a wagon or a carriage. And then above it, it looks like a winter scene. Maybe people are ice skating or something. 
Yeah, good good point. Yeah, this is this is a side of that room that we haven't seen before of uh, Phil's room. <laughs> and real interesting table. I don't know, have we seen the underside? Have we gotten the angle on that side table, all the little just knobs or beads like around the edge on the bottom? That's kind of a, an interesting table there. That room that looks like something I saw in like a like a 60s catalog of furniture. <laughs> like like unnecessary amount of knobs and nubs under a mm-hmm. a desk. Yeah, it's probably meant. It probably it's meant to be like country, make you feel like you're out in, well, you're out in you know Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, that 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 headboard can't. There's no way it can get through the damn door. Like how did that? How big is this thing? That headboard. Oh, maybe yeah. It's got a. It's tall. Oh, and it's wide. Yeah. Maybe it's in pieces. I guess maybe you like you screw it to the, the one plank and down. I'm just saying, like we get a good angle of it. I'm like this thing is like six feet tall, like it's huge. I'm just saying, like you know, when they, I don't know how Ms. Lancaster got this up up in his yeah. third floor room is all. The real question is that a picture of Miss Lancaster over his shoulder there? Oh man, I hope it's her and, a, and another dog. <laughs> God, it's so hard to see, but yeah, it, it looks like it could be a drawn portrait. Yeah, I don't know if you know about this, but <laughs> me and Sean have found out that there's like over like twenty pictures of dogs in this in this bed and breakfast. Like just pictures, paintings, sculptures. There's just so many dogs. Yeah, so. the things you discover watching a movie one minute at a time. And the same this, minute again and again and again, no less. Yes. Yeah, so that unless there's a, you know, unless there's something hitting hidden by the lampshade we don't see, like that one corner of Phil's room may be the only wall we've seen in the bed and breakfast that does not have a, you know, a picture of a dog, a drawing of a dog, a shelf with a dog figurine <laughs> on it. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't, I can't, I'm going to, I'm excited to see if in any future minutes we ever get that angle again. Cause yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, so at the very end of this minute, we, we cut back for a few seconds back to gobbler's knob. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to hold off on that. Because we'll get the the bulk of that presentation or that recording next minute. So if there's no objections, I say we hold off. We only get one kind of the beginning of a line from Phil. I say we save that for next minute and we kind of sure. wrap things up. And uh, and by wrap things up, I say I want to I want to hear more from our guest. Definitely. So so as I've said, you you have your own podcast, Mark. It's called What Is It About the Weather and um. I mean, I, I could describe it, but probably not as well as you can. So so tell our listeners about your podcast. Oh, I'd be glad to. And, and I'm sure you'd do a fine job. I mean, really, the idea is very much I could have done a podcast where I talk about the weather, but that's really not the goal. The goal is to look for other ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives and talk about it from that perspective. Sometimes it's, you know, talking about weather movies like Groundhog mm-hmm. Day or any other. Uh, but a lot of times it's just looking at how weather works itself into d- different elements of our lives, um, you know, mix it in a little bit of the science, a little bit of aspects of the weather that people are familiar of when they think about weather, but really just, you know, trying to trying to take a perspective in seeing it from a different way than you might ordinarily th- think about it or looking at weather in a more complete picture as as it, you know, participates in what we do every day. Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting podcast. And I before uh, before starting investigating this movie, I didn't even know there were podcasts about weather. And there's 
there's some factual things. There's uh, if you're for for a lot of major cities, or at least the major city I'm in, there's a daily podcast that you can download. Just the forecast, so you can kind of listen to that in podcast form. That'll tell you, well, you know, is it going to rain today or snow, or, or what the temperature is going to be like. But um, I was surprised, kind of looking out there, that there's 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 quite a few weather related podcasts. So if you're if you're like Phil Connor and you're talking to the listeners here if you're if you're interested in the weather and you want to learn more there's 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 probably a podcast out there for you but uh i particularly like your podcast the 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 kind of conversational style you have that it's not you know it's not like you're in a classroom and you're getting a lecture on meteorology and i I don't feel like i should be taking notes i feel like i'm i'm sort of eavesdropping on a really interesting conversation which is which is what i feel like that's the the best of a podcast and you, you've covered things like you, you mentioned uh, movies, you know, a few times. You, you've talked about weather in, in movies and, and popular culture. And in a couple of recent ones, you, you did a podcast where you talked about, and and I didn't know where you were going just based on the, the title of the particular episode, but you talked about the weather on different planets and kind of, you know, if if you're unhappy about the weather where you are, you could be on a different planet. And, and what weather would would you have to deal with there? And, and that was really interesting for me. I was, you know, I know a bit about the planets. I have a, a science degree and I was really into to science and astronomy as a, as a child. But uh, they don't that's kind of an angle that doesn't get covered a lot in, in terms of that, you know, talking about weather on planets and, and in some cases on moons as well. Yeah, and and whether you're looking at any of these types of things where, you know, sometimes it seems out of the blue, one of the reasons that I've enjoyed doing the podcast and, and I what I try to bring to it is a lot of times it's topics I don't necessarily know a lot of about. So I can go and look at a, a topic from a weather perspective and maybe bring my eyes from being, you know, in the world of meteorology all the time. But I'm learning things. And so hopefully that makes it a little more enjoyable because I'm digging into it to that level to where I'm sharing new things that I never understood or I never knew about. And so, it, you know, it makes it fun for me to do. And, and hopefully that fun carries over into how I, I carry out the podcast and in, in the different topics. Yeah. And I, I think it is fun. So and so for our listeners, where where can they find that if they want to if they want to check you out? It's pretty straightforward. You can go to what is it about the dot com or for that matter, you can go into any of the repositories of podcast, if you will, whether it's iTunes or Google Play or whatever, just type in what is it about the weather into your you know your browser and it'll probably probably take you to the one you want to be at. It's that simple. All right. Yeah. Nice. Well, I want to thank you, Mark, for joining us today. And uh I just I and to our listeners as well, I I know it's a cold gray day and it 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 could last us forever, but uh, we want to thank you for listening still. And we will see you tomorrow, if there is one. Am I upsetting you, princess? Oh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>